0: Welcome to the Best Work Podcast, hosted by Ben Henley-Smith. The goal of this show is to uncover the personal stories of successful software engineers, founders, thinkers, and leaders, who are all navigating their own working journey. Finding our best work is often a hidden journey, uncovered through an ongoing conversation with ourselves and the world around us. Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you can apply to your own life, so you too can find your best work. In this conversation, Ben speaks to James Carey, VP of Engineering at Paradigm. The conversation centers on the question of instinct and how we can make rational working decisions while acknowledging the nag in our brain that tells us what our gut believes is the right course of action. James discusses the importance of values alignment and the negative consequences of companies and managers not adhering to their own professed values. He offers insight into the causes of, and his learnings from, his own experience of burnout, as well as the reasons why seemingly fantastic opportunities don't often appear at the ideal time for us to take them. He offers insight for anyone currently interviewing with a company that's looking to cut through the facade and find out how much autonomy is really afforded by their managerial culture.
1: How do you listen to your instinctive traits?
2: It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because it, there's there's kind of like a nagging feeling. In if I could try and describe it, there's there's like a nagging feeling in in the back of your mind, and it's like a nag, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you're looking for reasons to um, to ignore it, and sometimes you just spend a lot of time searching for those reasons to continue to ignore it and hoping that um like distractions will will come along. Things like um, oh you know actually a um a, a new role might be coming up or the business might take a, a different direction which will be quite interesting. Um things like that have happened to me in the past where I thought oh, you know actually I'll I'll hang around for this to see what happens. But you're instinctive. but instinctively right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, what you're saying is, this this isn't the right place anymore. Maybe it's time it's time to move. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to what ultimately are your your internal values versus the the values of the area, and the environment or organisation that you're you're working in. And I think you have to have, in my opinion. You have to have absolute harmony with your own values and the values of the organization that you work for um and those values also need to be shared by the people who work there I think it, it's, it''s quite interesting' cause you you know i've um I've joined organizations where I've sort of Because you know, people publish their values a lot these days you know what what it means to work somewhere and um, I think people are getting very good at curating those values and um, not very good at living them, <laughs> if you see what I mean. So I've worked in places where I've read, I, I've gone through the values and what they stand for um, before I've joined. And I've been like, you know what, that's that's awesome. I, I'm all about that. Um, and then when you get there, a lot of those values aren't aren't upheld or lived.
1: It's interesting that your instinct is the right the right the way to make the decision about values specifically as if it's something that you can't quite put into words, but you're but you're feeling
2: yeah you just know it's not right, you just know it's not right and and you may even be getting um some fulfillment in your career you know there, there may be um some of the wins you're getting in terms of oh yeah okay oh, i'm I'm progressing well or um you know, you're, you're doing used to good work, work that you enjoy. Um, but actually that the whole, the whole thing doesn't quite, doesn't quite work. Um, so I, yeah, I've, I've been, well, I mean, to, to go, uh, go on record sort of name and shame, but a few organizations where it's been, um, you know, I, I've, I've sort of progressed in what I'm doing and results, the results are there, stuff's going really well. But in myself, I'm thinking, oh, well, actually, you know what, I, I don't quite fit here. Because, yeah, the the behavioral traits of those around me and, um, yeah, just sort of the, maybe the, how could I put it, the, um, the almost the behavioral traits of the organization don't fit with me. And I, I feel like I can't do my best work unless like, I can be completely true to myself um and and that's that's the instinctive thing you've got is like this it's like i'm not being true to myself in in what i'm doing here even though i'm doing a good job um i'm not being entirely true to myself and that's really when you've got to say
1: even though um, it's (laughs) yeah
2: and and you've got to have the courage to do it as well
1: but 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 you still put it off
2: 100 because because it's a difficult you know um it's it's quite a scary thing to do um there's a number of reasons for it. I I, I guess uh, certainly the reasons for me were um, you know, plain and simple: got bills to pay, right? <laughs> got 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 money to make, um, and you've got commitments. That that's that's one of them. Um, most most people do, right? um, and because of that, that that sort of plays. Well, it certainly played in the back of my mind. Um, and then there's also you know there's a probably a bit of um uh imposter syndrome as so, you know, so if if i were to if i were to move to a different organization you know could could i actually do it you know it's that confidence thing could could i do it could i could i succeed at the level i've succeeded here um would it work you know it's it's a fear of kind of a fear of the unknown um i think you, you've gotta you got to see past that um and sort of have, have that confidence in yourself to know that if the if the values of a business are aligned to yours um yeah you'll you'll do well i think i've, I've kicked myself a few times in the past where um i i've spoken to people about opportunities and i've the, the conversation and the vibe I've got from those people has been fantastic, and I think you know what—that's that's absolutely the right role for me, but not the right time. Um, and when I think when I've been thinking it's not the right time, I've been thinking from either you know a financial perspective or a um, uh, sort of like a career trajectory perspective. Um, and you probably shouldn't think like that. Oh, in, in retrospect, I think if I'd have taken taken those opportunities to to work with those individuals um, and the vibe I got from them and the organisation they were creating. Um, I feel actually I'd have, you know, even if it may have been I might have taken a step back, I feel I've got a lot more fulfilment out of that um, and I probably would have got a lot, a lot more longevity out of it as well. Um, but uh, you know, again, the, what, what stopped me was the fear. <laughs>
1: it's funny how the, it's almost as if opportunities, Don't come at the right time or the right level Uh, because when it's the right time, it's the wrong level, and when it's the wrong time, it's the right level, and it's very rare that those two things level themselves out.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And I I think some of the best opportunities, um, how can I put it? Some of the best opportunities I've presented to me, um, I've never taken um, because I've felt that, like you said, it it was the wrong time, and that was like what? Uh, heck of it. So I, I was um, I was offered an opportunity um, around a uh, basically being CTO of a, um, a fintech startup. Um, I was already in another role, um, and I was actually progressing. A, a project significantly in that role and I really wanted to get it done uh, so I, I was quite focused on that very focused on that so it's like a, a sort of real tactical focus to get something done um, and it, it wasn't even that significant but I just really wanted to get, to get this thing done we've been working on it for a while um, and and it was important to me um, and to the business so I, I kind of paused the opportunity I had with um, with this this fintech startup, um, but I, I, nonetheless, I was still I was so impressed by the people I'd spoken to, um, and so intrigued by what they were doing. I went all the way through to the end of the process, um, to the point where an offer was going to be on the table, and that's when I walked away. I was actually, you know what? I, I I feel like I've got to I've got to finish this piece, um, and because I, I just can as much as I want to, I just can't take this offer right now, which I I really regret because anyone could have finished the work I was doing. Anyone anyway, it, was, it was already in a good place. They could have got someone else in to do it. Um, yeah, and I feel like I missed out on the opportunity because I was focused on the near term. I didn't think about it was all my strategic career goals it was, I mean, and, and that that level of fulfillment i felt like i would have got from that role um i i, I probably would say i paused it for the sake of others you know because i think the business really benefited from me finishing that piece of work By I, I didn't really other than the sense of marginal fulfillment i didn't really get anything out of it you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's almost like what makes you such a good leader also makes you bad at making career decisions for yourself
2: yeah yeah I, I, i'd say so <laughs> and and i, th- I think i think you know I, I, in in some instances i should have been more selfish really um but I, as a as a lady do get quite attached to your people you know and i think there's definitely I, I certainly had a fear of you know the sense of like leaving people behind um because yeah, you do go on journeys with people um, in, in businesses there's always difficult times and um, you're sort of there in the trenches with everyone and you you, know, you build lasting relationships that you kind of instinctively want to hold on to um, and that that can be a real um, a, a real pull factor in, in terms of you know not wanting to leave the organization.
1: It's an interesting thought that if you're also a leader you've developed those relationships more deeply too more people are relying on you.
2: Yeah, yeah I th- I think it's that or at least it's the perception that more people are relying on you. Um and I I certainly had that in people and I, and I I'd feel um I'd feel a duty of care to them. Um and yeah that that is a factor in sort of clouding your decision making of, of logically what's what's right for you and, and sometimes you have just got to do things that's not right for you um but i think they they shouldn't be impactful on your overall career journey
1: Are you, you um you don't want to <laughs> the last thing you want is to advise your old self to be more selfish um what would you what would you do differently
2: What would I do differently? Um I I would probably act earlier, you know, when when you start to see um you start to see some of the warning signs like um for instance senior senior leaders in an organisation not um not living the values of that organisation. And kind of Behaving in indifference towards those values um, and individuals. At that point, you know it's um, <laughs> it's not a business that stands up for what it says it is. Um, and I, I think integrity is really important in business. And and certainly from a, a employee perspective, you know, as a leader as well, you have to uphold those values. And if your leaders aren't holding those values, big problems. I so say it's just not sustainable, um, and you you can't act with integrity when that's the case, and you've you've got to walk away. Like you, you you have to walk away. Um, and you could, yeah, there, there's been a few times where I've been in a, in a position where I thought, you know what. I've um I can I can't continue to impact my integrity by staying here but but I did um in pursuit of sort of, you know things like project goals because uh, I'm a relatively driven individual and results matter um but results shouldn't overcome integrity I think if that's mm. the case you need to you need to move to a place that values it um
1: we um I think it's so important to listen to your instinctive traits there because sometimes we need to make reactive decisions. There's also i guess proactive decisions, and there might be circumstances where it's not necessarily that you're being pushed but that you you're being pulled um, Have you been in that circumstance? before and how do you how do you how do you you know we say that our biggest failures often are failures of kind of omission rather than um rather than rather than the opposite
2: Hmm. yeah have i been in that position before um yeah i I mean i'd say in in a variety of ways um I'd say I, that I have um, I think um, I'm trying to think of a way to articulate it that, that would make sense to normal human beings Not just not just in my mind Because um, it, it is quite difficult to articulate To be honest with you What, what goes through one's mind when, when faced with a situation like this um, But I think um, I've so I, I've always been very very results driven, right? and that uh, that I feel has has been a bit of a distraction to me. I, I haven't necessarily taken my put my head above the parapet and thought, you know, wh- where where are we actually going? Yeah, you know? or where where am I actually going in in, in terms of my career? Um, I, I haven't necessarily done any career planning or anything like that ever in my life um i've just sort of fallen into things um enjoyed them done well at them um and have progressed that way and i I think what i'm starting to do now later on in my career is is actually think about what, what what do i what do i actually want in terms of my the Myself in a job um, and and my work life balance um, and in relation to your question, I I hadn't really thought about those things before. I think that they come um, strangely. They come a bit later in life. I don't know whether it's just me, but it's they come annoying, is not they? Yeah, they seem to come later in life. I think so. When I when I left um, when I left university, like I I was like head down. I just wanted to work. I just wanted to get out of there and work, um, and and that's that's exactly what I did. I sort of got my head down for basically ten years, worked exceptionally hard in in all of the roles that I had, and actually progressed quite well. Um, but when I look back, a lot of I feel um, I really did get burnt out by that. I really burnt out, and. It, just just looking back now, I think yeah, if, if I'd have if I'd have thought a little bit more about where I want to go in terms of my career trajectory and the things that matter to me, um, I could have made I could have made some better decisions there. Um, and I, I think an, an example I'll give is you know when I was at um, at Betfair. So when I joined Betfair. Um, it it was a sort of up and coming betting business, and it was a real underdog actually in terms of the sort of the goliaths of the betting world like William Hill and Ladbrokes, um and Paddy Power. Um, Betfair was completely online, and a lot of those businesses were laughing at Betfair because you know punters wouldn't possibly want to go online and bet in this you know, <laughs> in this day and age people still wanted to go to the bedding shops and get the bedding experience. And it turns out that they were quite wrong. Um, and I think that that drive of being the underdog at Betfair was, I I, I love that. I thought, yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll show them. We'll show them how how Betfair was right and they were wrong. And we actually did, you know, because so I, I made a pledge to my my director of technology at the time, um, when I was an engineering manager, I said, I'm I'm not going to leave Betfair until it's the biggest betting company in the world because that's how much I believe in what we're doing. Um, if I look back, it's probably one of the most fulfilled times in my life where I was like, this is a mission that we want to achieve. Um, and we we didn't get far off that, to be honest with you, the point where yeah, we a lot of the work that we did in technology enabled that business to grow to a point where it was on a level playing field with the likes of Paddy Power and William Hill and Ladbrokes. Um, and actually got to the point where Betfair was able to merge with Paddy Power. Um, and it was, you know, if, if you look at what happened with the Betfair and Paddy Power merger, basically all of the senior, um, individuals in the Betfair business ran the, the merged business. Uh, so ultimately it was a bit of a takeover on, on Betfair's side, you know, they wanted the leadership of Betfair to run that business. Um. And that that was a really great journey to go through. So actually, we worked our way up from underdog to become an equal, to then basically take over another bit, another one of those businesses, and that also continued. That trajectory continued, and it grew and it grew. Um, and I, I saw a massive opportunity with that when I was working there. Um, but also, what I didn't what I didn't quite realise was going on is that there was actually a massive change. In the way that the organisation was starting to be run, and and also the values of the organisation were starting to change as well, um, and sh- the strategy was starting to change. So it wasn't it was no longer yeah we're we're the underdogs we're going to take basically take on the world and and show the others what we can do. Um, it became one of um, well by the time I'd left it became one of let's look at people who are doing this better than us and buy them out. <laughs> so they can no longer compete with us which from a business perspective is actually quite a reasonable strategy you know it makes a lot of sense or, or the flutter group as it as it was then known um, was actually quite a uh, cash rich business and it could absolutely do that so made sense um from my perspective the, the career fulfillment i was getting from that was really lacking and i um i didn't pay attention to the early instincts I was having. Um, and I stayed yeah, you know, stayed with Betfair for another two or three years with that mindset. And and I think that was the wrong thing to do, looking back. Um that really was the wrong thing to do because there there were all these sort of pull factors out there where uh, that roles were being offered to me and again I was I was quite comfortable I, I knew Betfair, I knew the world of betting. Um I understood it. So that, that comfort factor really was setting in. I've become very good friends with a lot of people, but in terms of my my fulfilment and the reason why I joined in the first place, that was gone, Um, and that really did start to show. I sort of felt like I was in a bit of a a sort of holding slash caretaker role from what we were. You know, it's like we've been through the battle, and uh, and the business is reaping the rewards of that, and we would just make sure the ship stayed afloat. That's certainly how I felt about it, and. yeah, I, I, I'd say looking back, I'd have identified that quite early because the the, the signs were there, and you know, instinctively, um, in my mind, I knew it, but I didn't quite want to make that leap. You know. Um,
1: hmm. there, there's that was really there's a couple of bits that I'd love to touch upon there, and uh there are things that I think had are, are less obvious, and they weren't obvious to me when we first started talking it sounds like Betfair gave you such like kind of clarity of mission at a certain point, um, despite the fact that from the outside it's a betting company and it might not feel like a betting company would be one of those companies that feels mission driven necessarily. Um, and the other thing that was interesting is that as you started sh- sharing that story it started off with burnout and how burnout had been such a uh looking back where could have been different ways of managing it but yet it still was when you reflected on it the best times were in battle and were the best moments it's it's funny how like the the, the experience at the present moment is almost different to the experience on reflection
2: yeah yeah no i i think um uh, it, it does, it does come out when you talk it through, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and yeah, I, like a- absolutely, had had the best times in the heat of battle. But um, it, it, it's not if if you're continually at it, um, and certainly with Betfair we we were for you know for a number of years. I'd say about four years of my time there. Um, it was just a relentless push to get to a point where we were we were equals with the other businesses and everyone bought into it. Um, we had some great leadership at the time. And um and I remember working like very, very long hours. Um and I had a horrendous commute as well, I remember. Um I it would sort of be an hour and a half each way. So and sometimes be working till nine, ten o'clock and then you've got your, your hour and a half commute back um sometimes i would stay in a hotel overnight nearby just come in yeah, the, the, next, the next morning um, and it yeah but i didn't i didn't care didn't mind because i was i was so so connected to what i was doing um but d- doing that relentlessly is is absolutely exhausting um, on your mind as much as anything um you don't quite realize it when you're in the thick of it but when you when you sort of take a step back you think, actually you know what how um how sustainable is it? I, I I couldn't see anyone doing it for ten years plus. I know, I know people do, um but but for me, I think um it 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 came to a point of exhaustion at some at some point maybe after about yeah after about five five six years um it hit me. <laughs> um, but uh, you know you, what you do is you you take a, you take a lot of learnings from that. You know you you never learn more than when you're in situation in a, in a high growth environment and driving that growth and seeing the results you learn so much I take I took the majority of my learnings of my career from that or those points in time um, and what I feel I can do now is I can apply those learnings to situations I've been in so I don't have to go through as much of the of the upfront stress as I did when I was first in that situation um, but also I can, you know, I can share that knowledge and some of those experiences with others so they don't necessarily have to go through the same thing um at the same intensity but yeah i think looking back was enjoyable but at the same time exhausting um and yeah as i say as as the business strategy changed by the the tempo of the business really did slow down um and i i found myself um in terms of the the overall mission of the business, like I found myself unfulfilled by that because it was a case of okay, well we're we're basically the the big players in town now, and um, we've got the majority of the market share, and we're just going to start buying people out. I'm like okay, let's yeah. For for some that can be quite a, an enjoyable mission, but for for me it wasn't. Um, and I, and I found myself since then moving to organisations. Which were in that sort of late startup, early scale up stage, and for me, what I've what I've realised is that actually I, I've got for me to do my best work, I've got a bit of a niche in terms of the businesses to work in, um, and it's it is that one where it's late startup, early scale up, high growth, you know. Um, I I do my best work in those organizations um, because I I resonate with the mission. Um, They're very results driven um, and they're very fast paced. And so I tend to thrive in those, in those sorts of environments. And um, yeah, I've worked in those places ever since and sort of continue to, (laughs) I can't see myself not working in one. So that's where I know what I'm looking for. When I, when I go next, and I, I I didn't know that before. You know, I think you have to go through various things, various experiences before you before you find what you're really good at. And ultimately, if you do what you're good at, then you're going to enjoy your work. Because um, I say the other, the other part of burnout, looking back, um, it is to do with not necessarily being um, being in the right role, or or not necessarily being filled in the work you're doing still working hard that's when you tend to get burnout as opposed to working very hard and the stuff that you really enjoy doing it can still be exhausting but you, yeah you, you tend to avoid the the sort of emotional burnout that uh, that can be associated with working hard it's something you you know you're not enjoying
1: yeah it does seem like the opposite when you're you're putting all of your your energy and effort into difficult challenges and uh that sounds like that would be more (laughs) that would be more burnout than when you're (laughs) in the easy phase where you've you're just making those those slightly easier decisions about just just
2: m&m and a strategy yeah yeah you see i i I thought that um but then I, i kind of um my my emotional exhaustion came from getting frustrated with um the pace of some of the well, some of my colleagues, to be completely honest with you, and uh, and some of the decisions. Um, whereas w- when you're in that high growth phase, you've kind of got to you got to make those decisions. You've got to move on them if they're wrong, the wrong decision. Find out very quickly, um, but it, you know keep moving forwards. Um, and I appreciate that's not for everyone, but certainly for me, that's that's kind of what what I'm about <laughs> and what I enjoy.
1: So, in an odd way the way to make sure that you don't burn out is not to not put in the hours. It's not to uh, to put yourself in a high growth environment. It's actually just to work out what it is that you is is the environment that you want and put yourself there. Like would you? it sounds like someone who is the opposite to you would burn out in a high
2: growth environment, but you would burn out in a low growth environment. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that sentiment um because it it's it's the it's sort of like the the frustration and the the burdens that come with um not not enjoying what you do um that is that contributes to sort of a lack of mental well-being where if if you're in a good place um you really enjoy what you're doing and you're focused on the mission um then that enables you to continue, um, working at that level of pace. I think uh, I try, I try and remember, I, I read a, a statement somewhere that resonated with me where, you know, working hard and doing what you love is called passion. Um, and working hard, not doing what you love is you know basically called burnout <laughs> mm. Mm. Or, or something like that. Um, but I, I completely agree with that. Yeah.
1: I I find it really interesting how you've also managed to thread a high growth niche with a betting niche too. But you've done it in a way that's quite typical, I think, of how a lot of other people tend to run their careers where they might they might not start off in that research team full of top data scientists who are doing the cutting edge technology and they may transition to it over time and it's almost as if you're as you you are you're naturally you've you've worked for a company that is so well known and and did such important uh work in its time and then you're almost able to utilize that as you go on throughout your career because you then have it's almost like it almost feels like it's getting niche and niche as as it goes on
2: yeah yeah i think so and i think um the one thing i i've certainly noticed is the more um the more senior a leadership role that you take um the more niche that is going to be people are looking for very very specific things um so i think it's it's all sort of naturally Evolve that way because you know, tend not to want to take a, a step back unnecessarily, um, and yeah, it does get very specific. Um, but if, if, certainly from a technology perspective, um, there's yeah there's there's a number of new things that people look for in terms of how how you'll work technologies and tools that you've worked with, um, and yeah, I certainly took a lot like that that sort of template. From Betfair and that model, um, and have been able to apply it in other organisations. And I think a lot of people do similar when they've worked in organisations that have some of the technology technological capabilities that Betfair had. So, if you look at the you know, sort of ex-Amazonians and Googlers uh, and guys from Facebook, they will be doing the same thing um, because I think you get uh, you almost get regimented in the most efficient ways of doing things because you have to um, and because ultimately like, you, you're you're embedded in an organization where everyone else is doing it um, and you, you can't not do it um, and that kind of stays with you and again i'm all for learning um, as you go through your career uh, but there is a bit of a template and a formula that you apply i can't quite explain it but there is there is sort of like this set formula that you can apply in no certain situations I think Amazon have absolutely nailed it and, and they really drew that into their people. And then when they leave to go elsewhere, they'll, they'll apply the same techniques as they had done when they were Amazon. Um, and I think it's probably quite, quite similar in that sense.
1: It's a pace as well, isn't it? And it's a, uh, it's more, it sounds like it's more of a mindset than it is a specific set of tasks or, or actions that then ends up defining how you make your working choice next i think the hardest thing is perhaps that it's so difficult to vet for that mindset you can understand the uh different perhaps tools that a company is using or um you can get a a sense of a one-on-one conversation but in general understanding the the pace the company mindset and the general approach
2: they take can be
1: such a challenge
2: yeah it it can and i I certainly i (laughs) I find myself um, doing a lot more influencing these days, um, so helping helping the leaders of organisations actually shape their you know their digital strategies, their growth strategies, um, and I, I find that the experiences I've had in the past can be immensely useful um, when it comes down to that. So technology has kind of been on the front foot when it comes to, um, how can I put it, you know, basically getting things done. <laughs> yeah, the, the concept of, you know, delivery um, and, and achieving goals. It's actually quite a difficult thing to do, um, exceptionally difficult. Um, and in technology, it's, it's probably one of the hardest fields, you know, to get that right. But the, the same principles can be applied to business as well. You know, what what things are we going after? What have we got to do to be able to get there? How are we going to put together a a reliable plan to be able to achieve that? Um and we do all of these things in software projects, no matter how large or small, all of these fundamental questions are asked. Um and you work you know, you work with your team to get there. Um and I find myself doing a lot of that with sort of the C level executives of of the businesses I've worked in prior to Betfair. there. Um for the whole organization. So we will apply the same techniques that you would do to getting things done in in the technical landscape to the business world. Um, and that often works really well. Um, I know people talk a lot about um, the concept of OKRs, which is sort of an acronym for objectives and key results that you know, Google originally um, set up. But it's been in various guises in, in other organizations as well. Um, and that started to be adopted more mainstream in um in like the executive suites of larger businesses because it's, it's a really efficient way of doing things um so having that having had that knowledge from the sort of the coal face of technology and being able to apply that at the board level um is it, actually you know it brings quite a lot to the table I found um yeah and no, i I'm certainly grateful for the experiences.
1: That's quite interesting that that's the type of thing you could ask for. You could work out whether a company is, maybe by asking questions like, are they using OKRs or how do they structure decision making or what timeframes do they look at it from, what mechanisms do they
2: use? Yeah, certainly one of the questions I ask people if I'm looking for a role with them is, like, how how do you get things done? Yeah, it, um, it can be quite revealing um, because you get you get a real feel for whether you're working in an organisation that's quite micromanagery, um, or whether you know you get a lot of freedom, whether they're metrics or results driven. Um, all of these things I think are quite important when uh, when going to a new organisation. Um, and again, it all depends on what you're looking for as well. All right. So, you know, do you want to work in in a startup environment with lots of ambiguity? where you have to put together a lot of the pieces yourself or do you want to work in an environment that's actually very highly structured Um, and there's maybe a little bit less autonomy but more certainty. You know, I think people are suited to different things Um, and you can find those, yeah, you can find those answers out by asking that question.
1: It's interesting that the question not to ask is are you micromanaging because they will say no whereas if you ask about the systems that they use to get things done if they don't have a system then they're going to have to be micromanaging
2: yeah yeah I, I think if someone if someone wants to get you on board they're always going to give you the answer that they think you want to hear <laughs> mm. i think that that's that's for sure um so you, you got to yeah in in that sense you got to get um into a more conversational flow and be able to ask those quite open-ended questions to enable someone to talk through their uh, their thinking, um, and then you, you're no longer yeah they they are no longer prejudicing the output of their of their answers. Um, so yeah, asking how you get things done, um, asking where the business is going, and how they plan to get there is also another one. Um, and why they're looking for certain roles like one of the things i always ask well particularly for cto level roles is why are you looking for a cto yeah what happened to the last one <laughs> and it, it can be quite a forward question
1: mm. and when you get the the answer to those questions i guess you have the same predicament as you did at the start of our conversation I'll just take how do you take your instincts and then make this more contextual qualitative decision weigh <laughs> up both options and say how did what did my instinct stay on say on staying here how, what does my instinct stay on doing something new
2: yeah 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 it's, it's it like uh, it, instinctive thinking is quite difficult um because it, it's, um, I've done I've done a lot of reading about this. So I'll try <laughs> you know, to, to try and control your instincts and understand what your instincts are telling you. Um, because often I've found it's been right in the long run, um, but yet yeah, never really used it properly <laughs> at, at a certain point in time. But yeah, you you will know if something feels right or if something feels wrong. Yeah, you know, there there will just be. <sighs> there'll be a number of flags that will come up um that will trigger in your mind and it it won't be like a eureka moment it will just be like as we said before like this growing sense of nagging feelings that you're you're trying to find reasons to negate but actually you 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 really you really shouldn't i think as soon as you get any sense of anything like that um yeah you you need to do what your instincts telling you i i have the same principle again, not one I, you know, I, I can say I've successfully followed, but one I try to um in hiring people myself. Um, you know, I try and structure the interview in a way to find out, you know, who who the people that I would be working with in the future are and how they would fit in the organisation because it's not it, yeah, you know, it's not that they're they're not capable or not not skilled people, it's it's that fit's actually really important and cultural impact is really important so you know try and structure the conversations in a way that I can surface that and sometimes instinctively no matter how good a person is I'll just get this feel <laughs> get this feeling that mm, I just don't think it's gonna you know, it's gonna work out in this particular organization for you um, so we so we won't go forward with uh, with hiring you into the role and it, yeah it sometimes it can be quite difficult to give that that constructive feedback of you know based on what you've told me, I think instinctively it's it's not gonna work um yeah just because of these cultural things and and the the way the conversation flowed um but it's really important that you listen to that, and I think it, it's the same for if you're going into an organization when you know on on the candidate's side. Yeah, they've got to make sure it's them i think a lot of people um can be you know you, it, there's a lot of things you could do to attract really good people to your business like you you can pay top salaries you can pay um yeah re- really good um bonuses and equity stakes and so, sometimes it has the negative effect right it can attract the the wrong people for the wrong reasons and and even the people applying for the role might know it's you know I'll, I'll, I'll do this for a couple of years get my equity stake and and move on, and um, you got the balance uh, the the reward with um, with getting the right people on board, you know, because uh, yeah, sometimes it can it can cause headaches at hiring. I think you've got to be aware of that as well. Like, I think um, I, I I had a few a few offers for um, a CTO of uh, cryptocurrency firms right before the whole crash. And, um, and one of these firms actually just let go of almost half of the tech team. And I certainly would have been one of those people. Um, but I was wowed by the offer, you know, or at least what was on offer. You know, huge, huge equity stake, huge salary. Um, but I remember at the back of my mind thinking, yeah, I, I've always had a bit of a problem with sustainability in crypto, um, certainly from a tech perspective. And that's, you know, decided to not pursue it. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad I, I didn't, but in the back of my mind still I was like, actually, you know, but that salary is amazing. And equity equity stake is amazing, could change my life. Um But if I'd have if I'd gone with that and been successful, you know, it would have changed my life in a in a much more negative way. Um so sometimes instinct does pay off, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> a
1: relief. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sharing your your story james and um i i think it is just so challenging to let ourselves follow our instincts sometimes and uh i i'm really pleased that at specific moments you've been able to verbalize when you've used it for for good and for ill uh yeah i've loved it thank you
2: no no oh thank thanks very much for talking to me was, uh yeah it was just insightful to go through it and it, myself you know <laughs> a bit of analysis no worries man See you later. Bye.
1: The Best Work podcast is produced by the team at Cord. I'd love your advice on how we can make sure the Best Work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work. Email me at bennettcord.co. You can also find a transcript of this conversation insightful video content and more at core.co slash insights. Thanks for listening.